Hey folks, this is 13 and 3, otherwise known as Mogi and JC, welcoming you to another great episode of the Breakout Sessions podcast. This episode is sponsored by LSM Chiropractic and Robecki's Rinkside Bar and Grill. We would like to welcome our guest today, former Wisconsin Badger and current Tucson Roadrunner, Ty Emerson. Mogi? Hey Ty, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with us today. Appreciate it. Happy to be here. Pumped to, pumped to be on this. Well, you know, first thing we got to ask is right now we're sitting in the Chippewa Falls uh, hockey rink uh, where you played a little bit of high school hockey. You can probably see that over JC's shoulder. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's snowing to beat the banshee outside right now. So tell us a little bit of difference between the Wisconsin winters <laughs> and what you're experiencing down in Arizona. Well, I'm down. I'm down in Tucson, Arizona, Arizona right now. So it's about 70 degrees and sunny in the in the end of December. So it's not a bad change up for me. I was actually just home for Christmas, and we got eight inches the other day. So I got my taste of cold for the winter, and now I'm back in the back in the warmth. <laughs> yeah, and which one do you prefer? I hate to say it, but I I like both. It's a nice change up, but I definitely enjoy coming out of the rink and being able to wear shorts and t shirt every day. <laughs> I bet it is. <laughs> So we're going to go back in time a little bit. Uh, Eau Claire, Wisconsin is where you grew up playing hockey. And, uh, you know, what age did you start? I probably started right away, probably four or five, whenever whenever the mini might starts. But it was it was my grandpa who got me into it. So he got my, my brother started. He's two years older than me. So he got, he got Andrew started with the skates, and then I just kind of followed suit. And you mentioned Grandpa, and we'll talk a little bit more about him uh, in, in a little bit in the podcast here because he was quite an athlete himself. But uh, you worked your way up uh, not only as a, a standout uh, youth hockey player, but um, you played a little TW as well, didn't you? Yep, yep. I played Team Wisconsin for two years, my freshman and sophomore year. And while you were at uh, Eau Claire Memorial for your high school years, were you starting to get noticed at that time for your performance abilities? Yeah, I think it all actually started started through Team Wisconsin when we would go to some of the bigger tournaments in Chicago and Detroit. I think that's where it started started to get noticed a little bit more. And then obviously high school people people come and watch. So whenever whenever you're playing well, people will come watch. And what happened? Uh, well, you did you play one or two years in high school? I played two years. I played freshman, sophomore year. Freshman, sophomore year. And then what was the transformation after your sophomore year? The, so after my sophomore year, it I went to the national team development program out in Michigan. Guys like Jake Dowell and Jake McCabe were, were the first two guys from Eau Claire to go over there. So I kind of followed in their footsteps. But it was it was kind of a, a little bit of a longer, longer process because you go – I listened to the podcast with Jake McCabe and he kind of, or Jake Dowell, and he kind of explained the the whole top forty, the the two week tryout over in Michigan. So <laughs> I went through that same process. So spring break of my sophomore year, they invite you out for what's called top forty, where they bring out a bunch of players and you pretty much just scrimmage and you do a lot of a lot of interviews off the ice, off ice testing and stuff like that, just making sure that you're ready. And it was a very stressful two weeks, but then after that, they offer you a spot, and then and then it was a it was a no brainer for me to to take that next step out to Michigan. Was it tough for you to leave your high school teammates though, Ty? Yeah, for sure. I was going to say you grow up playing playing with your buddies, playing with my brother, playing out on the out on the outdoor rink. So it was tough to go considering the the age I was at, but it was the next step for me. So I like to say that I was actually I'm the youngest of three kids, but I was the first person to leave the house. So I actually got the chance to work with Memorial 
during a year it would have been your senior year and uh I know the boys could have used you, especially against Hudson in that state championship game. Yeah, I was gonna say they, they had a lot of success. <laughs> they made it to state all four years, so so that was good for them. But I watched some of those games, but it would have been cool to to win the the state championship with them. But they all had they all had great careers and had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, for sure. Now, in your high school years, you made a, a junior international team, U.S. <laughs> international team, and and got to go overseas and play. And what year was so that, that? That was February. So like the second half of my sophomore year. So I was over in Norway, I think February of my sophomore year. So February, 2016, but that was, that was actually a longer process as well. So at the, the select 15, the, the USA hockey camps is where it all started. So you try out through the Waha and then you keep getting invited to centrals to nationals. So at the select 15 national camp, um, they they picked a team out of that and then everyone went on their way went home played their seasons and then we got invited to that and then we went over to norway like i said in february and we played in the youth olympic games and we ended up winning gold which was a pretty cool experience but it was it was a lot of fun over there being in the olympic village meeting a lot of new people from different countries was there ever a doubt that you would be able to play based on the fact that you were still playing wisconsin high school yeah, so that was actually. Can you take us quite, through that a little bit? That was quite the mess. So I announced it that I was like going to go play in that, and I didn't think there was going to be any issues whatsoever. I thought it was going to be cool that a WIA player was going to be able to go over and represent Wisconsin on the international stage. But WIA has has certain rules, which I guess makes sense. But it was that you're not allowed to be on two rosters at the same time. So technically, I was going to miss. I think I missed two or three games for Memorial when I was rostered on the the youth Olympic team. So when I got back or it, it all started going out down in like November, December. Um, and then they said, all right, if you go, when you come back, you won't be able to play because you'll be ineligible. So then people started kind of saying, this doesn't make that much sense. And it ended up gaining quite a bit of traction just on Twitter and the hockey world saying that this doesn't make sense. So WIA in the end made the made the right decision in my opinion and, and let me come back and play. So it was, it was good to be able to join Memorial right after that. Oh, I bet it was. And you know, was there any hesitation in your mind to not go over and play for the U.S. Uh, Junior Olympic team because of that, or were you just you know full force forward? I'm going to represent my country and I'm going to go overseas and, and kick butt over there. There was the thought. The, there was a slight thought, but I think in the end, I would have chosen to go over to Norway and, and represent USA on the international stage more than more than the issues that were that were going on here. But there was a slight thought in my head that if I just stay here and help out Memorial and and make make one last run with Memorial, because at, at this time it was kind of in my head that I was trying to make the next step to move to Michigan the following year. So it was it was I kind of had the idea that it might be my last run with my brother with all my all my friends growing up that I was playing with. But at the end of the day, whether I was able to come back and play or not, I think I was still going to go over to Norway. So Ty, what was it like when you left Memorial and you went to the U S national development program where you go from playing a high school caliber. Now you're playing against junior A players as a junior in high school. It was, it was a tough transition, you know, but that's why, that's why everyone goes there. You're playing against the, the top top 20 16 to 20 year olds in the in the country and the biggest thing is just playing against 
um, people on your own team each week in practice. I think that was the biggest development thing for me was playing against the top players each and every day. Um, but it was an adjustment for sure. My my first year, I want to say we won four USHL games all year. <laughs> that, that was brutal. Coming I mean, from coming from a good good high school team, but it was it was the best thing for me just to be able to go and compete against everyone. You know, we haven't uh, let our listeners know, uh, Mogi and I do, but what position do you play? I play defense. And how did you choose that position? Was, my brother, my brother was playing defense, so I figured, hey, might as well just follow and whatever he's doing, I'm going to do too. Okay, so what would you say about your style of play as a defenseman, Ty? Uh, I'm just a like a solid, solid two-way defenseman, and, and I like to say if if someone's not saying my name that much, then then that's a pretty good thing. I just I fit in with the flow of the game, try to try to move the puck up to the forwards, and just be a consistent consistent player that my coach can rely on. So you're looking more for the plus minus of being on the ice rather than the stats of the goals and the assists. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. You know, there's there's only so many Eric Carlson's and, and Brent Burns who can put up the points like that. But I'm not that type of player. I'm someone who just goes out and does the simple things. And a lot of the stuff I do doesn't get noticed, so it doesn't show up on the score sheet or anything like that. But but the team needs needs players like me who are just consistent for them. Absolutely. You know, it kind of sounds like an old player. You probably don't know this name, but Craig Ludwig from uh, Eagle River, Wisconsin, who uh, won a cup with Montreal and then went on to play many years with the Dallas Stars. I I think he still had his shin pads from high school, (laughs) you know, duct taped, and that was his style. He was just blocking shots and getting in the way and and grinding it out in the corner. And, uh, you know, not many points as far as goals and assists, but obviously – many years in the in the pro ranks as a result of that style and anybody that you like to think about as far as your style of play yeah one guy that i that i've watched growing up and just throughout the throughout the ranks is ryan mcdonough and ryan Suter are just two guys who who aren't flashy by any means but they they get the job done each and every night another couple wisconsin defensemen yeah i was gonna say you hey. gotta gotta off to wisconsin there you wisconsin. go <laughs> you know um, going back to your days, uh, when, when you left high school to go over and, and represent the country, just a quick question, you know, what was that like when you guys won the gold? Uh, you know, what was going through your mind? What was, what was the feeling amongst the team when that actually happened? Oh, it was, it was unbelievable. It was probably one of the best experiences of my life to be able to go over there and represent, represent your country. That was my first time my sophomore year in high school. So to throw on the USA jersey and just be able to go out there and play, play other, other countries like Canada and Russia and, and be able to come out on top was, was unbelievable. So in that tournament, we played, we played Russia in the semis. And then the next day, it was just right back on the horse and we played Canada in the gold medal game. So it was right back to back. And there wasn't much time to think about it. It was it was a very quick tournament. So you go over there, you put in your work, and then and then it ended up working out for us. Come home with the gold, no problem. Yeah, yeah saying, <laughs> get out, get the medal, and go back to Memorial. After uh, after you've done your time with the national team developmental program, you went on to play for the Badgers. Mm-hmm. You know what was that like? Uh, when did they start looking at you, and what was the transition like uh, for that scholarship offer? Uh, so the first time I ever talked to Wisconsin was was fall of my freshman year. So I know it's getting crazy just with how young everyone starts talking to teams at this point. But it was fall of my freshman year during the during the team Wisconsin. We had a 
a tournament in Chicago that I had a pretty good tournament at. And then, and then they reached out and asked if I wanted to come on a visit. So we went down, drove down, went on the tour with Mike Eves, who was the coach at the time. And, and that was, that was the first time talking to Wisconsin and I wasn't set on it. I wasn't, um, completely set on Wisconsin. As you guys know, I have a, a lot of Minnesota background in my, in my family. So there, it wasn't a set in stone decision with Wisconsin by any means. So, so let's talk about that a little bit. We had the pleasure of interviewing your grandfather, Denny Zacco, just the other day, who hails from White Bear Lake, Minnesota. He was a gifted all-around athlete who excelled in both hockey and baseball at the University of Minnesota. So how did he feel about you attending college at Wisconsin? He was, he was very excited. He was very excited for me. Did he show the excitement right away? No. <laughs> He was, he was just happy that I was filling out, like fulfilling my dreams of playing college hockey. Um, but I called him and told him that, that I was going to Wisconsin. And he was a little bit, he was just disappointed that I didn't go to Minnesota. Obviously, he wanted me to follow in his footsteps and go to Minnesota. But he, he handled it very well. He, he came over in a Wisconsin shirt and we had a, we had a pretty cool couple minutes there of just talking about that. It wasn't, wasn't following in his, in his footsteps, but it was still, still fulfilling a college dream. Absolutely. Yeah. Did you, uh, were you considering Minnesota at all or were they sniffing you out at all? Yep. Yep. I was considering Minnesota. I talked to Minnesota my freshman year as well. So I had, I had offers from both. And at that point it was just figuring out what I wanted to do. The coaching staffs were kind of up in the air with with Minnesota and Wisconsin. Um, so I went through my freshman year and then end of sophomore year once I was going to Michigan. I, I was ready to commit and I was ready to commit to Minnesota and then Minnesota. Um, no, I take. Yeah, so I was ready to commit to Minnesota and then Wisconsin fired their entire coaching staff. Um, and they hired the Granado Granado Siki staff. So I was like, all right, that's the best staff in college hockey. So I was like, all right, we'll see where this goes. And then the next day, Tony called me and said, we're interested, like, come down for a visit. And then the next day, Marco Siki, the Wisconsin defensive coach, drove up to Eau Claire, had lunch with him. And then I committed the following day to Wisconsin. <laughs> well, sounds, <laughs> so, like, sounds like you had two wonderful opportunities, and I don't think you could have made a bad choice there. Yeah, I was going to say, couldn't have made a, made a bad choice either way, but, but I'm happy with my decision. You know, I lived, I lived three you, you know, um, oh, we, we lost you there for a second. Go ahead and try that again. Um, yeah, but I was going to say two very great decisions. It was, it couldn't have gone either, couldn't have gone bad either way, but, but I'm happy with my decision. I loved, loved every minute in Madison. Cool. You know, you mentioned the, uh, the coaching changes and, and stuff like that. Um, my interest is we had a, a guy on the podcast, uh, quite some time ago by the name of Darcy Way, who played at Michigan Tech back in the early 80s, and he talked about when he was recruited, um, he got breakfast on a paper plate with a couple of eggs and bacon, and Coach John McGinnis at the time at Michigan Tech came up and shook his hand and said, hey, we'd like to have you, and that was the entire recruiting process. Um, <laughs> tell us or walk us through a little bit more what your life was like when you're coming down to visit the Badgers. Yeah, I was say it wasn't it wasn't dinner on a paper plate by any means, but on on visits the the coaches treat you very well. You go out to dinner with them, you get a tour of the locker room, the rink, all all the basics, the school that you want to go into, and kind of kind of see what the whole campus is about, kind of get the the feel for the campus, and then usually they they pass you off to a couple of the players 
and you go and actually hang out with the players at their apartment. You go to a class with them and, and you kind of see what a day in the life is like as a player to see if you see if you think you fit in, kind of get a vibe of the locker room and everything. So things have changed a lot from that. And I know that they just changed the recruiting rules. So you can't really go on visits or uh, commit to a school until I want to say just before your junior year of high school. Um, so I don't know how much everything has changed since I was going through the process, but back then it was, you got treated pretty well when you were going on a visit. So Ty, you, you're a, one of a number of Eau Claire student athletes to choose Wisconsin. Did you reach out to any of the previous Eau Claire, uh, alumni, let's say that, uh, went in onto the Badgers and talked to them about that program at all? Yeah, I would say I, I, I want to say with my freshman or sophomore year of high school my parents and I went and we went and got coffee or lunch with Jake McCabe and he kind of sat us down and and said here here's what like my experience was at the national team at Wisconsin and and where I'm at now so that was that was awesome for me just to talk to someone who had gone through it who had been on the other side of it and had positive and negatives and said here's what here's what you're going to go through it's the best decision that I've ever made to go through it so it was it was awesome for him to take the time to do that for me and be able to walk me through some of the stuff. Nice. We're going to take a second here, uh, Ty, to reach out to one of our sponsors, Robecki's Rinkside Bar and Grill, located across the street from Hobbs Ice Center. James Robecki uh, will provide you with a quality service and food with top-end beverages. Great place to stop after a hockey game at Hobbs, and for that matter, any sporting event. And James and company will treat you just like family. Uh, probably an establishment that wasn't around when you were in high school, but I'll tell you what, a lot of people are going to visit that location now, Ty. <laughs> that, was still, that was still around when I was there. Rorak, Robecki's Rinkside Bar and Grill, that's awesome. I didn't realize. Wait. Take it back. I didn't know the ringside bar and grill. I was thinking of the Riverside Bike and Skate. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Another one of our sponsors that do yeah, a great absolutely. job. Absolutely. Yeah, you probably went down to see Pat a couple of times in your life. Huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We went, uh, I didn't go to the Riverside Bar and Grill yet. <laughs> you know, we were talking about the Badgers and reaching out to uh, Jake McCabe. But you did very well as a collegiate hockey player, and you uh, were blessed to wear uh, one of the captain's crests. Uh, I believe it was your junior or senior year. You know, walk us through that. Is that something that the coaches come and feel that you're qualified for? Do the players reach out? How was that chosen? Um, so it was, yeah, it was my junior year that I was able to wear the C, and we did a. It was a team vote. It was a team vote that that the team kind of chose we had like a list of players that, that you can vote on and and i think that was really good for us just because at the end of the day it's it's about the players i respect you it doesn't really matter about the coaches the coaches obviously think think highly of you to give you the c and allow you to wear it but i think it's more about what the what the players in the locker room think about you so it was awesome to be able to, be able to wear the c i had some great players to to try and lead like cole caulfield pelton bice linus weissbach so holloway but just to, just to name a few but it was some it was an awesome experience to be able to do that. So what do you think they saw in you, Ty, that uh, they elected you captain? I think it was like I was saying earlier, just someone who shows up every day ready to work. The consistency is, is something that I hang my hat on and off the ice in the weight room, just making sure that everyone everyone's getting better. And, and I think at the end of the day, a captain is someone who just needs to be consistent, be a, be someone that they can look look for to, to set an example each and every day. Nice. So more of a lead by example type of guy and not so much of a rah-rah kind of a guy. Yeah, for sure. I think last year we had, we had enough guys that were the rah-rah guys who like to get the team. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but I was always like a cool and steady head. I would, I would speak up if something ever needed to be said, but I think, I think at the end of the day, we had enough guys last year in the locker room who, who respected that it was a pretty easy job for me. Nice. When you were developing your skills, not only as a youth hockey player, but high school team development, were there certain things that you worked on more than others to get to the level that you are at today? Yeah, I would say the the first thing is just skating. You know, if you, there's only one way one way to be a good hockey player, and you got to be a good skater in, in this day and age. So I think all the the summer skates that that we would go to with with Andy Akrovic weren't always the most fun, but at the end of the day, it pays off. Being able to being a decent skater helps you out a lot down the line, and and obviously there's things you can do at home like shoot pucks in the garage, and and that that'll never hurt you. So I'd say those two things help me out a lot. So a number of the players that we've spoken to, Ty, have talked about shooting pucks in the garage. So did you have a – can you describe the setup that you had at your house and how many windows did you break and how many garage doors did your parents have to replace? <laughs> we had – so we have, we have like a three-car garage. And then at the end of the end of the end of the three car garage, we had a, a shooting tarp that I got one summer, one Christmas or something. So then each like whenever I'd want to shoot, I'd pull out the three cars, and then my dad got me a, a plexiglass thing that I could put all the pucks on. So I probably had about fifty, sixty pucks in the garage, and, and I got tired of shooting at just the tarp. So I made my I got my parents to get me a net to go in there, and it, I loved it because it was more fun. You would hit posts, you would ping, you would ring. But they hated it because every time I'd hit the post, it would break the glass. It would dent <laughs> the garage door. Still to this day, we have, if you go in my garage, like in the third garage door, you look up and there's just, there's puck marks everywhere. <laughs> supposed, to go, supposed to go bar down, Ty, not bar yeah, up. <laughs> I went I bar up and bar out way too many times to be, be excited for. <laughs> That's great. You know, <clears throat> When, uh, for our listeners, you were drafted by the Arizona Coyotes. Yep. How did that process work? Uh, when did they notice you? When did they start talking to you? And when were you drafted? And and did you know that they were going to pick you, or had you spoken with other teams as well? Um, so that was all senior year. So I got drafted just after I graduated high school my senior year, and it most of the process starts senior year, kind of talk to teams like who come to the rink. Obviously we had a lot of guys who got drafted on my national team. So come to the rink, kind of talk to guys here and there. You got to, you talk to a couple teams during the year, but a lot of it happened at the NHL combine. So I got invited to the NHL combine in Buffalo, New York, um, just after my senior year. So May of my senior year as well. Um, and then you go in and you set up team sets up interviews. So you, you walk in and they hand you a, a binder, a folder of some sort that says all of your schedule that says you have meetings with this team, this team, this team at this time. And that's, so I ended up, I was a middle, middle round guy for the draft. So I could have, could have pretty much went to any team. So I think I want to say I had like 22, 23 interviews with teams. Wow. Uh, but that was, that was a big week of interviews and talking and grilling. Um, but Arizona was actually my first interview. So I walked in the room and there was there was twelve to fifteen guys just kind of staring at me. You walk around, you shake everyone's hand. You don't remember anyone's name by the end of it, but you walk in and they they ask you about yourself. Say like what? Why should we draft you? Who are you? Where are you from? Stuff like that. And then I went on with the week and didn't really think anything of it, just because the entire week blended together. I didn't even know who, I didn't know what was going on. 
And then you go down to the draft. So I went down to the draft in Dallas, Texas. My whole family was there. It was awesome. And Arizona called my name. And then you go down on, on the board or on the floor and you kind of hang out for a couple minutes. They give you a jersey, give you a hat. You go take some photos in the back and then you go up to the to their to their suite, their box. And then the next day you're flying out to development camp. But I wouldn't say Arizona was one team that I that stood out to me because, I, to be honest, I don't really remember the interview. So how long but, how long do those interviews take typically? Are they all the same length or how does that work? No, completely depends on the team. Some interviews are five minutes. Some interviews are 30 minutes. Wow. So it all depends on the team. Like I remember Detroit. Detroit was a shorter interview, so they must have not been that interested in me. But they were asking, they asked me some weird questions like, if you're an animal, what animal would you be? So it was just complete. Some of them weren't even hockey-related questions. It was just completely, completely off the board, just to see what kind of person you were. So, what animal did you did you choose? I said a lion. Came to the jungle. That a boy. <laughs> I like good that. answer. <laughs> I'm surprised but, you didn't say a badger. Well, hey, that could have been a good answer too. So, yeah, uh, that would have been. So, Ty, I'm going to reach out to one of our other sponsors, and maybe you have some experience with these folks. Uh, this is LSM Chiropractic. They're the largest chiropractic clinic in Wisconsin, helping hockey players at every level get aligned so they can play better. As the team chiropractors for many hockey teams, including the Wisconsin Badgers and the Madison Capitals, they look forward to treating you. With 18 clinics in South Central Wisconsin, we have a clinic to serve you, and we file your insurance for you. You know, keeping that in mind, injuries, let's fast forward to your pro career real quick. Um, you recently did have an injury. Yep. And yeah, how... Couple... Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, a couple, a couple weeks ago, I, we were playing in Colorado, and it was just a, it was a pretty innocent point shot that, that I fronted and blocked, and it caught a bad part of my glove, and, and I ended up breaking my finger. Ouch. And uh, rehab's been going good? Yeah, rehab's all good. Actually, I was out for for two weeks, and then and then we tossed a splint on it, and I played I played two weeks after after I broke my finger. So I played one game before Christmas break, and this is just after Christmas. So did you need surgery, or they just set it and let it heal, or no no surgery? I was actually very lucky that it that it stayed aligned throughout the game. I broke it in the first period, and and then ended up finishing the game. So they said I was very lucky that it that it stayed aligned because if it if it comes misaligned, then you kind of need surgery. Then it's more of a mess, but. It was lucky that that it was it stayed aligned and everything, and it was it was a pretty easy heal for me. You know, I want to back up here a little bit and, and go back to your days as a Badger. You know, you mentioned that there was a lot of uh, personalities in the locker room when you were a captain. Any good stories that you could share with us? Uh, you know, the the clown in the locker room or, or the jokester on the road that uh, come to mind. Um, I was gonna say there's two guys in my class that, that come to mind. Roman Ashan and Dominic Mersh were both guys that, that would bring the energy every day to the locker room and, and Mersh would do some some pregame antics that would get, get the guys laughing laughing every day. But he had an older brother who played at Wisconsin, so he had been around the Badger family for, for long enough to understand what what he had to do to get everyone excited. But and then you have a guy like Roman who goes out and and plays hard every day, kind of like a Brad Marchand player, but he's always doing something funny, like like trying to poke someone the back of someone's leg in between whistles and and stuff like that. But I mean, it was just fun to be able to be a part of a of a Badger team that found some success and was able to put together a couple of wins. But it was too bad that that it was a COVID year that that we ended up playing well because the Cole Center would have been a lot of fun with with how many how many wins we had. 
Yeah, COVID certainly put a damper on everybody's uh, playing days. And, you know, as you look back, do you feel as a Badger that under the new coaching staff, you guys progressed a little bit each year? And, and looking back, is there anything you would want to change or do differently? Yeah, I think each each year that they've progressed and they've gotten better and better as as the as the new recruits have come in and, and everything like that. But I wouldn't say there's anything that I would want to change. I, I love my time at Wisconsin with with Tony Granado and Marco Siki and Mark Strobel while we were there. So I don't think I don't think there's anything I would change. It was just too bad, like I said, that that the fans couldn't share the success with us. So tight. So you're with uh, Tucson in the AHL with the Roadrunners, and and you left. Wisconsin after three seasons, what what led to that, and are you glad you did that, or what what led you to decide to to leave after your junior year? I think it was just the next step for me. You know, we had we had found some success in the college ranks, so that's that's one thing that I wanted to do before I got to Wisconsin. That was one of my goals was to to bring Wisconsin back to the NCAA tournament, and obviously we did that. We we had some had some success last year, and I think. That was that was one thing after my sophomore year. I, I thought about leaving after my sophomore year, but it was just a bitter taste in my mouth with the season that we had. Um, but it was just the next step for me. Playing in the NHL has always been a dream of mine, and, and this was just the next step to, to compete against men. We're out here playing. It's the same thing as when I went to Michigan. You're, you're going to play against older and stronger players. So that was just the next step for me to, to make it one step closer to the NHL. So speaking of that, um, have the Coyotes talked to you at all about how they feel about your development and any talks about a call up in the future? Uh, it's been it's been pretty quick. Last year, I played a couple of games and and the development they said was awesome. And then I've gotten down here this year. There hasn't been any talks, but it it's a pretty fluent world with hockey, especially with this year in COVID. There's a lot of guys coming in and out, but but no talks about call up yet. So I just gotta gotta keep working. and Hopefully, it'll come. So I understand they're going to add the taxi squads now after the break. Uh, so a six-man taxi squad, and that'll expand the roster. Um, I understand last year when they did that, that that really created a lot of flux between the NHL and the AHL teams. Yep. Yeah, I was say they just brought back the taxi squad. So so there's a couple of guys like rotating in and out because they want guys to be able to play games. So they're not not necessarily having the same six guys go up to the taxi squad each and every week because otherwise you go up there and you just practice. So so it's kind of a rotating fluid fluid rotation of that. Um, but yeah, the taxi squad is it's it's a weird concept in this in this world. If you talked about a taxi squad with an NHL team five years ago, people would think you were crazy. Right. <laughs> For sure. You know, um, we, we talked about the fact that you, you played a couple games uh, with the Coyotes and now you're with the AHL. Um, prior to the podcast starting, you let us know that you're on a two-way contract. Tell our listeners what that means. So so in the NHL and the AHL, there are, in the hockey world, I should say, there's, there's one-way con- or there's NHL contracts that are either one-way or two-way. And essentially what it means is if you're on a one-way NHL contract, you're up in the NHL, you get paid NHL money. But if you're on a two-way NHL contract, then you can be called up and sent down pretty much without ease. And there's different payments. So you'll get paid AHL money if you're down in the AHL and you'll get paid NHL money if you're up in the in the NHL. So it's, it's a little bit of a fluid motion. So I'm on my three-year entry level, which is all entry levels are two way. So it's pretty much saying you can get sent down and called up at, at any time. And a lot of the older guys 
are on one-way contracts because they're they're in the NHL and they're they're up there to stay. So now, if you're on that two-way contract and it's your entry level, you don't have to clear. Let's say you're in the NHL, you don't have to clear waivers to go back down to the AHL, do you, or do you? Nope. That's another thing with the with the entry levels is on on the two-way contracts. If I should say it's it's just your entry level. If you're if you're on your entry level and it's a two-way, which they all are, you can get sent down and called back up, and you don't have to don't have to clear waivers. But if you're an older guy on a two-way contract, if you're in the NHL and they send you down, you have to clear waivers. So anyone anyone in the NHL can take you. If they think that they would that you would benefit their NHL team, they can pick you up off waivers and bring you there. And if no one picks you up, then you report to the AHL team. Okay. When you're with the Coyotes uh, at the beginning of the year, training camp, do all of the players come to training camp, both AHL level and NHL level, and... and uh, the the Coyotes determine which way you go at that time, or how does that work for uh, spring training? Or excuse me, um, <laughs> spring training. Holy buckets! <laughs> We're already looking for spring time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> training camp. <laughs> uh, so so obviously all the all the NHL guys are there that that have played on the Coyotes in the previous years and guys that they have signed, and then not everyone in the AHL will go. They they pick a number of guys that they think are closer to making to making the NHL and you get invited to the NHL camp. And then as the, as it gets closer to the regular season, they, they slowly cut guys and send them down to the AHL. So it starts out at about, I want to say there was 12 defensemen to start at training camp. So six on each teams and you can do scrimmages and stuff like that. And then they, they whittle it down to seven or eight, maybe six, but it depends on. Yeah. So everyone, everyone goes to that. If you're invited to it, and then they slowly, slowly whittle the team down, and then if you if you never get sent down and you're you're up in Phoenix, then then you make up the night roster and you're on the team. You know, as a player that has succeeded all his life uh, at, at every level, was it a punch in the gut when you got sent down to the A, or was it more of a learning experience that you said, okay, now I just got to improve my game just a little bit more. Yeah, I think it was more of a learning experience. Obviously, obviously, it's a big step from college to the NHL. So I wasn't expecting to to make the opening night roster. If it if it would have happened, I would have been ecstatic. But I wouldn't say that that I was holding my breath for it. You know, I was I was ready to to come down here and, and get to work just because it's it's playing hockey. So at this point, it's it's still fun. You're playing hockey. You're playing the game you love, and anywhere you get to go, you could have fun with it. Are you are you comfortable with where you at? where you're at right now in your development? Yeah. Yeah. I'm comfortable with where I'm at. I mean, you look at, you look at other guys like Jake Dowell, Jake McCabe, it's very hard to step directly into the NHL and everyone to the NHL and everyone, everyone plays games in the minors, not everyone, but a lot of guys, that's a, that's a normal part of the development curve. So I'm, I'm just looking forward to keeping going. What is a normal day for you as a pro athlete? What's your schedule like? So we so we practice early in the morning, not super early in the morning, but I usually leave here, leave my apartment at about eight thirty, get to the rink at eight forty five, have some breakfast, tape up my sticks, and then and then we'll have a team meeting at nine forty five. And then you have options to work out before or after practice. So I usually work out before practice just to get everything done. And then we have practice at eleven and then um once you're done with practice, you're you're free to go. Essentially, if you've done all the all the workouts and meetings that you need to do, but a lot of times there's there's D meetings, there's penalty kill meetings, there's power play meetings, 
Um, or you'll do one-on-one individual meeting with the coaches that if they, if they want to show you something that, that happened in the game. So those can happen at any point, but a lot of times it's just, you go eat breakfast, work out, tape your sticks, have a couple meetings and then you practice. And then, and then that's the, that's the, that's your day. And then you go home and find some other things to do. So I'm still taking classes. I'm obviously I left one year early, so I'm still working my way towards a degree. So I got some classes that I gotta, gotta handle. Do you find any time to get out on the golf course? I do. I have found a, <laughs> found some time to get out on the golf course down here. So some of the days where where it's cold at home, I I just go rub it into my to my family and friends back home. That that <laughs> ten degrees of snow, and I'm just I'm out here on the golf course. Nice. I truly really appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone does. <laughs> Plain mean. You know uh, there. There's a little bit of difference in travel between the NHL and AHL. You know, I, I know the NHL players are first class as far as, you know, meals and you're flying, uh, you know, on a plane all the time. What's travel like in the AHL? So we, we're in the Pacific Division. So our, our division is actually pretty good. We, we play uh, Colorado and a lot of California teams in Las Vegas. So I think the only place we bus to are is San Diego, Ontario, and Las Vegas. And that's only like a six to eight hour bus ride, which isn't too bad. But a lot of times we'll fly. It's not it's not charter, so it's not like private planes, but we'll we'll be able to fly southwest and and commercial flights to California and then and then we, we show up. There's usually there's sometimes meals waiting for us, sometimes not, but it's it's all good. We get our pregame meals, we get our postgame meals, so everything everything's still good. You know, we hear a lot of stories about bus trips. Anything you can share with us? You know, are you the guy in the back of the bus that's making all the big bucks on the gambling back there, or are you more <laughs> in the front of the bus uh, rubbing elbows with the coaches? Uh, at this point, I'm a rookie, so I'm I'm more at the front of the bus. Some of the older guys have some bigger card games going at the back, but you got, kind of got to work your way up. But sometimes the rookies will put together a little card game. Um, I play I play sometimes, but I'm not I'm not a big spender on on the on the cards game i just always feel like i get unlucky so i don't i don't play cards as much but if we have a long bus trip we'll usually hang out play cards so there's a lot of a lot of time just messing around hanging out any good stories you can share with us on those bus rides or or road trips at all i mean not much i mean not much goes on sometimes there's been there's been some funny ones like one time in in high school at the national team we were busing home from from omaha and we it was an overnight bus trip and somehow we got pulled over and we were like 30 minutes from home and, and we just got pulled over and sat there for almost three hours just on the side of the highway. I don't know what we were figuring out. I don't know what was going on, but it was one of those things that we got back and we were, we were supposed to like unpack our stuff and that was an off, that was our off day. So we ended up getting home at like four or 5 PM and then we just had to show up to school the next day. So not oh. that funny, but there's a lot there's been a lot of moments like that where you you kind of look at yourself in the in the mirror and you're like dang this is crazy (laughs) (laughs) i bet it is you know when you were growing up um were you a multi-sport athlete at all or were you completely concentrating on hockey no i was a i was a multi-sport as long as i could i ended up playing i played football i played soccer and i played baseball um those were those were my sports because my dad played football throughout high school and he was a, he was a good football player and he played basketball, but I told there was no chance of me playing basketball. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I played, I played soccer up until I think like the fifth grade, fifth, sixth grade. I played football up until freshman year. I actually played one game of high school football and then I had to quit that for team Wisconsin. And then I played baseball up until 
I think seventh, seventh or eighth grade. And then, and then obviously you, you, you get to a point where you focus on hockey, but I think, I think people focus on hockey very, very early in today's world. They start focusing on, on only playing hockey in like fifth, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, which I think is pretty crazy. I think as a kid, you have to go out there and hang out with your friends and, and play different sports. You can't play hockey 12 months out of the year. You had mentioned earlier that you're still working on your degree. First of all, congratulations on on wanting to continue your education. Uh, what degree are you working on? Uh, I'm a finance major, so I'm in I'm in the Wisconsin Business School as a as a finance major. So I I have about I want to say five or six classes left. I think so. I just finished my finished my first semester class, and now I got a couple weeks off as as college takes a break and I, I got a class starting middle of January again. So, so I'm, I'm chipping away, making, making sure that I get my degree. So, so when I have kids someday that I'm a college graduate. Is that hard to do? Is it hard to f- stay focused on hockey and then you need to go home and work on a paper for a class? Yeah, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a tough schedule, but I think, I think it would have been much more challenging. if I took a year or two off at the beginning of my pro career where I didn't take any classes at this point, I'm still in the in the mindset of last year. I, I had a full college schedule, so I think I think just that I didn't take too much time off helps me out. But it's definitely a little bit a little bit more challenging to be down here, especially just because it's nice out. I want to go want to go play golf and hang out outside, but I gotta gotta write that paper. But so on, online, then is it? Uh, do you are do you listen to the lectures at at your leisure? Are they scheduled? How does that how does that work for you? Uh, it all depends on the class. So this class that I'm taking this next semester is it's called uh, business law. So I'll have to sign in Monday mornings, and with the time change, it'll be it'll be from seven fifty to eight forty Arizona time. It's usually eight fifty to nine forty Wisconsin time. So I'll log in each Monday morning, and then and then I'll have a discussion at some point throughout the week. I don't know when that is, but this class is, is you have to log in at a certain time, but a lot of them are, are optional where you can watch the lectures at any point. I won't ask you to talk to JC about uh, logging in on Wisconsin time. Yeah. What, what do you think about that, JC? <laughs> Let's just say our listeners don't know how bad I screwed up today when I tried to call Ty at 12.30 rather than the allotted the, the specific time that he gave. And I, I, that time zone change is just all screwed up in my mind, and I apologize for that. <laughs> I mean, and especially with Arizona, because Arizona doesn't do um, like daylight savings. So during the winter, it's a one-hour time change, and in the summer, it's two-hour time change. So it's... Arizona's a, a different different state in that sense. Yeah, see, it's not all my fault. JC, <laughs> hey, I've made enough mistakes here that uh, feels good when I'm not the only one, buddy. There you go. <laughs> well, I'm just glad we were able to reach Ty. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, we've talked a lot about uh, your pro career and, and, you know, what's a day in the life of. But once the end of the season happens, what do you do to stay in shape so that you're ready for the next year? I think it's just finding finding a schedule that works for you, making sure that that you have other people around you that push you. Because I think, me, for me personally, I think it's hard to to go in the gym every day by yourself and and get a whole lot better. So growing up, I always had a group of friends. I had my brother, I had his friends, I had, I had my buddies that I grew up with who would always work out and push each other. So I think for me, it's just finding a schedule and and finding a group of people that I can work out with that that make sure you push yourself and you're not taking too long too long of breaks because if you if you take too long off and too many days not in the gym I think I think you kind of lose your step but just making sure that you're active each and every day 
Do you plan on staying in Arizona? Or are you going to come home to Wisconsin, or haven't you decided yet? I spent I spent last summer in Arizona just with my first year pro and everything. Wanted to get down here, kind of get a schedule and everything, but it was way too hot. <laughs> it, it was way too hot. So this summer I'm planning on spending in Madison, Wisconsin, with with some of my buddies and and there's a pro group that works out and skates down there. So I'll have a good group good group around me and hopefully I can chip away at, at some more classes. Oh, good for you. You know. Um... I want to go back when you said that you were getting interviews with the pro teams when you were preparing for the draft. We've talked to some pro players and even some pro coaches that said the interview can make or break something. You know, were you ever coached as far as like the previous players that played pro or like an advisor that said, hey, when you go into these interviews, this is a serious, you know, situation where you don't take it lightly you know how, how did you approach those interviews yeah I never had any I never had anyone give me that advice so to say because um I didn't really have like anyone like my dad never played so it wasn't he wasn't someone he could give me advice but at that point I was old enough to understand that that was an important thing in the first couple of interviews that we had I, I didn't go first so some of the guys would walk out and kind of give you the rundown of some of the questions that they were asking and got a couple minutes to, to prepare yourself but I think I was I was old enough to understand that that it was a pretty important interview and and you had to had to be on your best behavior and make sure and make sure that you're saying the right things but at that point a lot of the NHL teams already know about you they're just asking you questions to confirm it and see if you're gonna lie or anything like that but they they do enough of their own background checks and and asking old coaches and stuff like that to make sure that that they they get a player that they want in their organization Anybody, Ty, that you want to give a shout out to that's helped you, you know, motivate you or, or get you on track to get where you are today? Yeah, for sure. Marty Hickey. Marty Hickey, the Bantam coach in Eau Claire, was was the first coach that kinda kinda sat me sat me down and, and said, Here's here's the possibility that you have if you wanna if you wanna do it, if you wanna put in the work, you can chase it. But he sat me down after practice one day and we went to to Randy's family restaurant right off Claremont got me a got me a little sandwich and said hey like if you want want to do something with it it's it's all out there you look at jake Dollar, jake mccabe he said that that you're you're in the same mold of a of a good eau claire kid with his head on his shoulders who who has a good family and make sure that make sure that you work hard but pretty much just said if the world's what you make it so if you want it you can you can keep chasing it were you thinking that that was a possibility before marty sat you down or was this totally out of the blue do you think that was pretty much the first time that I ever thought about hockey as as like a career or something to take a little bit more serious because you grow up playing hockey, you want to play, you want to play college hockey, you want to play pro hockey. But at that point, it was more just you were playing playing youth hockey with your buddies. Um, so I think that that time that he sat me down was probably the first time that I that I looked at the game in a little bit more serious sense. Kind of opened up your eyes a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, I've got one more question for you, Ty, and that is, you know, the Olympics are, are coming up in another month and a half or so, and originally the NHL was going to be allowed in, and now the decision has been made to not have the NHL play. So did you guys have a break built in in the AHL for the Olympics as well, where there was going to be two weeks of downtime? Or were you guys playing straight through and that wasn't going to affect you at all? 
AHL was going to play straight through no matter what. So we didn't we didn't have a break built into our schedule. But now that now that they've canceled things, a lot of things are kind of still in the air with COVID and everything. But there was there's no break set up for us. I don't know if AHL players are allowed to go to the Olympics now. Obviously, I'm not in the mix for it. But there's a we have a Switzerland on our team who would at this point probably make the Swiss national team. But I'm not sure if he's allowed to go because, like, like I was talking about earlier with that two-way contract, he could get called up. So if if Arizona lets him go, maybe he would make that team. But it's it's a lot in the dark at this point with with NHL AHL going over going over to the Olympics. And you on a two-way contract would not be eligible to go if if the U.S. wanted you to join the team. I think that's correct, but if. I, I'm not 100 percent sure, so I'd be lying if I said that was that was correct. But I think that's kind of the the way that everything is going. All right, okay. Ty, this has been great. You know, Eau Claire kid that uh, you know I was on the ice with. You probably don't remember that, but I was a referee of yours when you were a youth, and then a couple of years in high school, and and then of course Mogi and I both got to watch you at Wisconsin and. It's been fun to watch you progress through the years, and you've done very well for yourself, and and the city of Eau Claire is very proud. Absolutely. Yeah, the whole hockey community. You know, just Wisconsin hockey. We had a couple guys on, and everybody seems to be talking about uh, how well the the hockey players coming out of Wisconsin are now. I mean, there's more and more and more and more of you, you know, not from just Eau Claire, but, you know, obviously Superior, the eastern part of the state, the southern part of the state. youth hockey the stuff that that you build up as a as a younger kid and you carry it on through high school and through the next levels absolutely you do ladies and gentlemen please don't go away we still have our special guest we are here with our special guest today jillian johnson from hayward wisconsin mogi hey jillian thank you so much for taking time immediately after your last game here in the chippewa tournament so thanks for coming up and spending some time with us yeah no problem thanks for having me guys you know you just had a pretty good game on the ice against a team out of rock county you guys uh well didn't manhandle them, but certainly came out on top. We want to tell our listeners uh, about the big win you guys just had. Yeah, so we didn't end up getting all of our points in the first or second uh, period, but in the third period, we definitely outworked them, brought our speed, ended up getting opportunities and decided to put the puck in the net. So what was the difference between the third period and the first two periods? I mean, you outshot this team 54-7. to yeah, well, we've been having trouble with that all year long where we can't put a full full game together. We ended up um, coming together for one period and then take it lightly the next period. So <clears throat> this game was just another one of those where we ended up getting our opportunities in one period. And you had a pretty good game yourself. You put a few points on the board. How about that? Yeah, it definitely feels good, you know. Started off with a goal in the third period to break that tie, and then a few assists to definitely um, begin or make our lead bigger. And you know the assists that you had. Uh, any particular player that you like to seek out on the ice, or are you just looking for that open person to dish the puck? Well, honestly, I'm trying to look for every player, but on the ice, I definitely think that me. 
number three and 17 and 19 work together really well. We're a group that definitely knows how to move the puck and get opportunities. So let's talk about number three, Reese Sheehan. She's a freshman. How good is she going to be? Holy cow. Just looking at her coming in, I'm, I just see all of her potential and she's definitely bringing it and she works hard. She's down and gritty. She knows how to get the puck to the net and make opportunities. It's great to see you. Fun to watch. Yes, yes, that's for sure. You got a pretty good rifle yourself. Yeah, well, I definitely work hard for it in the summer, shooting pucks, and then just need to get that open lane to get it to the net and hopefully hit the net, you know? Yeah, that and uh, keep it out of the catching glove. Ooh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Was she good at that today, Mo? There know? were a lot of kids on the Hayward team that were shooting to the catching glove, and I think they're probably going to have a little point of emphasis this week in practice. Is that right? There's three other corners and a five hole there too. <laughs> you know, I, I'm looking at your uh, resume here a little bit, Jillian, and I see that you're like a third generation hockey player of the Johnson family. Yeah. Um, my grandfather, Butch Johnson, him, he had um, owned two teams. Though, I don't know the other one, but he owned the Waterloo Blackhawks. And then my uncle ended up coaching on that. And then all my uncles and then my dad ended up playing. And then now me, my brother and my sister, all of us. Who's your uncle that coaches? Is it PK O'Hanley? Nope. Uh, Derek Johnson used to coach. Okay. Sorry about that. Very good. So the, uh, the siblings that you have that, uh, play hockey as well, was there a little in-house rivalry when you guys would get out on the rink or in the driveway? Oh, hundred percent. Me and my older brother, he graduated two years ago. I always had to brag about how many points I had compared to him. And trust me, it didn't make him happy. (laughs) (laughs) So, so did he try to push you around the rink a little bit when he got upset with that? Oh, 100%. Whenever we were out on the ring together, it was always hit her, just get her off the puck, whatever. So he didn't take it easy on you? Definitely not. Probably made you a better hockey player, though. Yeah, definitely grateful for that. That's awesome. So what are your aspirations after high school? <sighs> well, I'm definitely looking into college. I applied to eight schools, and so far I've been accepted to seven, and I'm just waiting to hear back from UW-Madison and hopefully get accepted in that. And um, have a future with a business career. And I was just going to ask you about that. Are you going to stay in the business of your grandpa, Butch Johnson? I've definitely thought about it. I mean, I'll have to look more into it, but I think it would be cool to, you know, a little float away from that and start something myself. Sure. Would you like to pass on your talents to uh, the younger generation and maybe coach someday? Yeah, I could definitely see myself coming back, you know, um, just younger girls, whatever, just hopefully to get more girls out and keep our program running. Cause we, we're a huge hockey town. Just nice to see everyone come out for it. So I was looking at your roster here while I was watching your game today, Jillian. And it's, I see that you have 20 players on your team. You, you're from five different schools. You have Hayward, Ashland, Spooner, Rice Lake, and Barron. Um, uh, you have 10 freshmen. So half your team are freshmen. And five seniors. So as a senior, and I know you've been around here for a while, how do you pull this team together and and compete as a cohesive unit when you're you're that spread out? Well, honestly, we're all in the heart of the North. So in other sports, you know, we're battling whatever. But when we're able to come together and actually work as a team, it's the best feeling in the world. And then see them at other things like other events. It's great to have that connection with them and be able to come as a family and play as one. Any players or coaches you want to give a shout out to on the podcast? Oh, definitely Tom Duffy. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Hearing him on the bench right next to me. 
he makes some great comments and he likes to bark a lot too. <laughs> is that right? Imagine that. <laughs> well, he is a goaltender at heart and we all know that goaltenders are just a little bit off base. So really the way you were today, you we really only had him in your ear for the second period, right? So at least you had two periods where you were a little bit further away from him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, enough. <laughs> all right. How about any uh, any players? Yeah, just my whole team. We're all able to come down here, be able to take a few days away from our towns, come together. Team bonding, you know, is just great because I love every single one of my teammates, and it's great being around them. It's got to be fun. Yeah, it is. Jillian, this has been awesome. Thanks for taking some time out of your day to come and visit with us. We appreciate it, and we wish you the best of luck the rest of the season, and uh, good luck in tomorrow's game. All right. Thank you guys so much for having me. Absolutely, Jillian. Thank you. And a huge thank you to our audience. We would also like to thank our special guest, Ty Emerson. And a special thank you to our sponsors, LSM Chiropractic and Robecki's Rinkside Bar and Grill. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter and visit us on our website at thebreakoutsessions.com. And until our next episode, stay on the Inside Edge.